Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show on the Barnberger Podcast Network. We are, of course, a part of the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, so check us out there as well. We have a, a great time slot, and we're excited to be part of that new venture. Uh, we haven't joined you in a while, man. We, we've been in the midst of various life moves. Fourth of July happened. I moved to a new house. Got this podcast studio if you're watching live here, which is where all my uh, fiance made me put all my shit, basically. Uh, but I call it my podcast studio slash office, so I'm excited to to join you from this area where I can just have my grizzly zing going on. But, but right now I've got Zach Barnberger bro and rich on the podcast. Zach, how have you been doing? What have you been doing? And are you excited about the Orlando games to kick it off? Uh, heck yeah. I'm excited. Uh, what have I been up to? You know, same stuff as everyone else, I guess, working on uh, Michael Jordan, the life by Roland Lazenby, who you interviewed uh, right about the time that the Jordan documentary was wrapping up. So I heard the interview first, and so now I'm working on the book. It's a beast of a book, but it's like so, it's so much fun to read through. I'm really enjoying that. Um, and, yeah, definitely excited about the Orlando bubble. It sounds like some other – so you have all these, you know, leagues are trying to restart. MLS, one of them. USL is another. MLB is also trying to reset. So today, the MLS, uh, FC Dallas – had they just had too many teams test positive so the league i don't know if it was a league decision or their decision but was like hey yeah you guys can't participate in this restart i i don't know i think they had a bubble actually and it might actually be in orlando also it is yeah. some sort of tournament going on so yeah. that's you know one example of the plan kind of gone awry well it hadn't happened yet in the nba it sounds like the tests coming back positive out of everyone tested have been pretty low, lower than, you know, all the average national averages and most of the big cities. Did the Grizz so kind of see what happens from there? It, it doesn't, they're not coming. They haven't released it saying, anyway. Yeah. But people, you can uh, guess based on the language that no, that no one says it positive. Pretty good. They're like that's so a, far. We're a healthy young team. We're very virile. Uh, you can't, we were not, we can't even get COVID. So that's good. Uh, Rich, what's been going on with you, man? Uh, nothing, man. I, I've been good uh, as well. Just, you know, staying inside, staying upstairs, going downstairs, you know, working from home. That's been the gist of, you know, life for the past few months. Uh, doing a lot of reading, um, doing a lot of, you know, reaching out to friends and family, just connecting. I think this has given me time to pause a little more and actually like call people and check in and really just, um, you know, get pulse checks with people that I care about. Um, so it's been a good time to kind of reset, refresh in a way, you know, albeit under um, terrible circumstances. But, uh, yeah, just trying to remain as positive as possible uh, and take it day by day. Yeah, it really has been an odd time. But but thank God that we might have some sense of normalcy coming soon. We got the uh, 
the NBA is going to be returning when the first sports league to do so. They finally announced a schedule and we started, started to see this thing shape and the NBA's posted tweets about what it's going to look like down there. I mean, it's starting to look real, you know, I mean, and whereas it hasn't been basically for the better part of four months now since the NBA was canceled, uh, it's starting, we're starting to see the clouds part and, and sunshine behind it. Uh, on this episode, we'll kind of go through the, uh, the Grizzlies bubble schedule, the seeding game schedule. We'll talk the roster, who we expect to start, maybe how we expect those rotations to look, uh, particularly who should start on the wing. Uh, we'll talk uh, maybe a little bit of Zion Williamson stuff. The Pelicans, of course, are our tribal nemesis, whether they know it or not. Uh, and then uh, maybe some slogans on the courts down there at the summer league. Um, and maybe a little college basketball at the end. You know, we're in Memphis. We got some Memphis Tigers recruiting news and then some other news around college basketball that was very shocking uh, with respect to five-star recruits. Uh, so that's kind of the outline of how the show is going to go. And we can jump right in. Have you guys had a chance? I'm sure you have. So look at the Grizzlies seeding games, the eight-game schedule leading into the playoffs. Uh, and, and when you saw those eight games, what was your first thought, Rich? Oh, when I saw the, the schedule drop, uh, my first thought was we got to kind of come out in those first two to three games and really set a tone. Um, that tail end, it, you know, we don't know how teams are going to play the schedule. You know, those teams that are kind of entrenched into their spot, whether they're going to be treating it like the end of the regular season, maybe resting, et cetera. But it's, it's a little bit of not necessarily a gauntlet, but we got kind of a tough, a tough hand. Um, and so those first two to three games, I think, you know, when the team comes back to kind of get their legs under them, um, you know, after the scrimmages and the, the training camp, if you will, um, I'm just interested to see what it looks like um, chemistry wise, because, you know, the Grizzlies have been priding themselves on such a great team chemistry this year. But, you know, up until the pandemic uh, brought the lead to a halt, you know, of course, Jaron had been out. BC had been out. Um, Justice had yet to play. Uh, we had just lost some bets. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to take some time to, to get acclimated. Um, just, you know, one, for the people who were playing together, and two, trying to bring in basically our summer free agent, Justice Winslow, um, into, the, in the, into the rotation. Um, so just curious to see, you know, that, that starting wing spot, which we're going to get into later. Um, and, you know, I've never experienced, like, you know, the life of a professional athlete, like how – how much is Russ going to play a, practice, a factor in this? You know, guys have been home. You know, some people have gyms. Uh, some people don't. Some people were able to shoot. Some people weren't. Um, and, yeah, the practice facilities are back open. Well, some have had to close down because of COVID once again. Uh, but, yeah, just really want to see, you know, the guys come out strong. But I think one of the, the bonuses of our team is the youth. Um, you know, growing up, of course, when you're young, we can play ball all day. We can run and jump, you know, not get tired. And so, you know, we have a, a very young team. Um, who I think has an advantage in that I think they can get their legs under them a lot quicker than, say, you know, some low management veterans uh, who kind of have to get back into the swing of things, if you will. So definitely uh, excited to see what they take place, um, you know, and they have that three-and-a-half game lead, uh, and I'm just hoping that they keep it. Yeah, all good points, too, about the youth of the team and, and the training camp transition to integrate our new pieces. And, and for those that haven't seen it, the schedule is – is as follows, starting on Friday, July 31st. Um, we had the Blazers, then the Spurs, then the Pelicans, Jazz, Thunder, Raptors, Marcus All, first time we'll play him as a Raptor, uh, the Celtics, and then the Bucks. So kind of a gauntlet in the East there at the end. Um, a lot has been said about facing those teams at the end of the schedule is beneficial because you hope that the Raptors, Celtics, and Bucks kind of already have solidified their playoff spot and used those last games to just sort of 
play Giannis like 15 minutes and coast into the playoffs, um, which could benefit the Grizzlies at that point. So it's, I'd rather see those teams at the end of this eight games. But what, what, that, what did you think the second that you saw the eight games besides, hell yeah, basketball's back? I think what you just mentioned about playing some of the top teams in the East, looking at them having Bucks at our fourth to last, Celtics right after that, uh, Raptors getting subbed in for the second time that we would have played the Pelicans. Uh, so really, when the first reports first started coming out, they're like, all right, everyone's going to play the eight games, and there's speculation around how are they going to do the scheduling. Well, you're obviously not going to play – someone on one of those you can't play the teams that aren't there so what do you do that was like the question like what do you do you just skip over them do you play someone else twice do you like how is that going to work so we if we would have skipped over those teams we would have had the pelicans twice at the end and really the only change to that is that the raptors got put in in that final game for us the eighth game uh instead of the pelicans so that was really the only you know change necessarily so it wasn't a huge like it wasn't a huge variation from what everyone was kind of already speculating so we did have a pretty good idea of what the schedule was going to be and then also the pelicans it's their final two games would have been against us since ours would have been against them they got the wizards who are obviously a much weaker team overall than the raptors plugged in at the end uh so that definitely benefits them and they played the Kings twice, so but they don't have the opportunity to play us and make games back on us, which could play out in our favor, you know, depending how things shake out against them. Uh, but Bucks, I think they they're right now they are six and a half games up on the Raptors, so it's possible if the Raptors start off slow and the Bucks start off well, they could have already clinched by then. So you can't see them playing Giannis, you know, the whole time. Celtics and Raptors could also both be firmly in their spot in the seeding since there's enough distance in the East where, you know, they're not going to be going balls to the wall uh, in their games. So that could definitely play out in our advantage. With the strength of schedule, I thought that was kind of interesting as we initially, uh, before the break, we had one of the toughest strength of schedules. I think it was one or two toughest and the Pelicans had one of the easiest in the remaining in the season. Of course, that's also the caveat of are the teams that have already clinched, are they going to play people? So is a tough schedule actually a tough schedule? I mean, you don't, you just don't know how things shake out, but what this current schedule does is it bumps us down to two, three, four, fifth toughest out of the teams playing Pelicans still have the easiest, so they are set up, you know, pretty well to make a run at the eighth seed for us. But uh, honestly, I think things improved. Really, the situation improved the outlook for the Grizzlies' chances of getting in the playoffs more so than a lot of people, I think, have looked at it and kind of been freaking out or frustrated about it. But I think it's pretty fair and really gives us a pretty decent chance to get in. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's ultimately fair. I think it's a good manifestation of how the rest of the season was going to go. And I mean, persecuted Grizzlies fans, of course, myself included, we have to assume the league is scheming to get Zion in the eight seed, and they, they haven't really denied that. I think they've been pretty open about how exciting it would be if Zion was playing LeBron in the first round for a league that's already lost billions of dollars. So I, I get it. You know, their business and they want to make it happen. But 
you know, we like to see our, our boys in there for sure. Um, moving on to the roster, uh, as of right now, it looks like all 17 guys are going to head down to Orlando. We've seen other guys on different teams, Avery Bradley, for example, drop out, say they're not going to go play. Uh, and for various reasons, some citing health concerns, some citing uh, family concerns, some citing the uh, social justice movement going on. Um, but the Grizzlies so far have had no one opt out. And, and we uh, we were a little surprised, I think, to see Justice Winslow not opt out. He's been very vocal about the fact he thinks the Orlando bubble may be kind of a distraction, that uh, he did not opt out and seems to be going down. Now, granted, he could not get on the plane, you know, the day they head down there. I think they're heading down today or tomorrow. Uh, but all the guys seem pretty excited to get down there and play basketball, which is pretty unique, I think, for a team. Uh, they look forward to continuing their camaraderie they had during the season. They were seemingly really tight. It's kind of a group of young guys who like to play basketball and had a good time together. So I think they're, they're looking to it like as Brandon Clark mentioned in his interview, like it's going to be college uh, all over again. And, and he's almost looking forward to it, I think. So that's, that's good, whereas some of the vets, as Bridge mentioned, aren't down to leave their wife and kids for like two months and go to a city that, let's face it, like, Orlando's not that great of a city, you know. <laughs> it's not like you're you're going to the the Hamptons or some shit and going to kick it for a long time. You're going to be in Disney World, which is an interesting situation. Um, so, were you surprised to see Justice Winslow heading down there, Rich, or what? You know, were you like, uh, you know, uh, he guys got to make his check, or what, what was your feeling on that, or did you have any feelings on? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that. I think I talked earlier about their youth thing, and I think that's coming into play here as well, um, just as far as, like, responsibilities are concerned. Um, you know, we have, you know, guys who, you know, might have a kid or might, you know, have some other responsibilities, but, like, we don't have many, like, family men, right, who are married, settled, wife and kids at home. You got to, you know, make sure your children are good. That that aspect uh, is kind of akin to AAU tournaments, right? We're just going out. We're flying out. We're going to hoop. We're going to play ball, right? We're camping up. You might be playing multiple games, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, you know, to see no one from the Grizzlies um, defer uh, wasn't shocking to me at first. Um, and then I knew Justice had been very vocal, uh, you know, and I think it's just kind of a, a, a two-edged sword, if you will. Like, yeah, you know, him playing doesn't mean he's not passionate about, you know, the movement and everything that's going on. But also he's trying to build relations with his teammates, you know, he's new to the squad. You know, I don't think he wanted his first impression in a way to be, all right, y'all, you know, I'm walking with you. I'm going to sit this one out. Like, yeah, the guys would have respected it. Um, but I think just him being in Orlando, first and foremost, um, I think means a lot to him and it means a lot to his teammates. Um, and so, you know, whether that deters or whether it's a distraction, I think that's up for debate um, on how you feel. Um, but, yeah, it looks like everybody's making the trip. Um, shit, even Jonte Porter's going. So we got the whole game. So super interested to see the whole the whole uh, Grind City gang down there for sure. Jonte Porter heard they got PS5s down there. And he's like, he's like, all right, I'm going to go. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm going to rest this ACL or whatever and play the new 2K. I'm going to milk this shit. Yeah, you can see the sweat, man, on their bodies. Uh, so yeah, Chris Harrington wrote an article. And, you know, he's kind of the guru for sure. He kicks off a lot of these conversations, and you click on them, and then podcast guys like us talk about them. Uh, and of course, he does all the analysis, and we just kind of bullshit on it. That, so thank you, Chris, for that. But uh, his his article was about you know we, we see the the four starters of the Grizzlies rotation are seemingly locked. You have uh, John Moran at point guard. You have Dylan Brooks either at the two or three, depending on how you look at it. Um, Jared at the four, and then Jonas at the five. Those seem to be given. 
But then the question is, and has been long throughout the season, uh, who plays that other guard slash wing spot? Um, and in his article, Chris Harrington makes the case for DeAnthony Melton to get the start over incumbents like Kyle Anderson or the Justice Winslows, which everyone thinks was kind of the reason he was brought in, is to take that starting spot. So, of course, he goes through the metrics, he goes through the data, he goes through the fit. Uh, the short answer is when DeAnthony Melton shares the backcourt with Ja and Dylan plays the three, just a lot of good shit happens. We realize this, the event metrics love D-Melt, and I test us too. He just makes things happen. Uh, and he, uh, Harrington brought up the good point about how when Dylan plays the three, he doesn't feel like he has to dribble as much and do the dumb Dylan shit. And he takes a lot more standstill jumpers, and which is great. Like he's His like efficiency is drastic when he's the this true three instead of the the impromptu two. Uh, so D'Anthony Bell kind of uh, – shares that the ball handling duties with John in the backcourt. Also, he can take uh, D'Anthony Melton could take the more intense point guard assignments on defense and let John hide on the, the lesser guard, you know, on the other team. So uh, he went through our schedule and it's like the guards we face are insane. If you think about it, and we have, you know, da- uh, Damian Lillard, we have a uh, Drew Holiday, you know, Mike Conley, Shingles Alexander, um, Kyle Lowry, Kimball Walker, so those are some of the games where you're playing and guards we're going to be playing. So you don't want – Jaws not a notably good defender. We don't want to get torched. Um, and you can't really do that if Kyle Anderson is, you know, on the court. You can't really guard the opposing team's water boat point guard. Uh, and then – so, you know, you can read the article. There's a bunch of reasons. But he also makes a case for Justice Winslow, too, um, and, and the Kyle Anderson. But what, what would you guys do if you were Taylor Jenkins, you got handed a clipboard, and you said – Who's here? Who's getting the start? Game one versus the Blazers. Zach, what would you do? Who's suiting up? So I'm I'm gonna give it to Winslow. I'm I'm just gonna throw him in there. That's what you brought him in to do. He was the big trade for the year. He was this summer's free agency. If you think that he's healthy enough, then all those things that you described about guarding the the star guards of the other teams, you know, the the big name players. That's something that he can definitely do. I did notice some things kind of interesting. I so obviously we moved crap moved off of Crowder. Uh, he was soaking up literally bajillion minutes. It felt like, but only twenty nine minutes a game. It felt like a lot more than that. Felt like he but played looked, 50, fifty minutes a game. That well, that was fifty <laughs> shots a game. Yeah, you let that shit fly. Yeah, I mean, and then he <laughs> talks about how the, the the like guys that don't even shoot that well, but they have like reputations. There's like this whole other level of like when guys like run them off the line but it's it's but it, so it effectively opens up the core and it's like he's Steph because people think he's Steph and like that it, it's an interesting mental component to the game too is that guys that see a shooter and they're like oh shit I gotta get out there uh it's interesting but sorry what were you yeah, saying yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean maybe he hits the wide open ones but yeah contest not so much so Crowder I, I base I was looking at his numbers and then Winslow's numbers from last season just because he hadn't played much this year. So they both averaged 29 minutes a game. Crowder was averaging 9.9, 6.2, and 2.8 points, rebounds, and assists. Winslow a tick higher at 12.5 points, 5.5 boards, and then 4 assists per game. Crowder's effective field goal percentage was 47, while Winslow's was 49. And Winslow's defensive rating was 108 compared to Crowder's 110. So basically what I gather from that like little sample size is that, and they're, you know, similar size, similar build. They both have spotty jump shots, but they're known for being tough defenders. 
that Winslow is just like a next step above what Crowder was giving us. And, you know, Crowder got a ton of minutes and we played, you know, we played well in a lot of games with him, uh, a ton of minutes. So I think that it wouldn't be that much different for the guys to plug him right in because he could be, you know, fill that Crowder role, but just take it to a little bit next level. And that could be a very seamless transition, I think. So that's why I would put uh, Justice Winslow in there for the starting spot. Rich, who are you rocking with, D-Mail or Justice? Yeah, so um, when I was reading the article earlier, definitely, you know, as a as a D'Anthony Melton stand, um, I was definitely, you know, hyped to see his love in there that he's getting. And he's been getting love from the national media, too. Like, he's, people have started to really put some eyes on him for sure. He's getting the recognition he deserves. But uh, similar to what Zach said, man, uh, I don't think Justice Winslow was brought here to come off the bench. Um, I don't think he, he was brought here to be this missing piece, if you will, in that starting five. Um, I love what DeAnthony brings off the bench. I love the energy, the defense, the instincts, um, his intangibles. You can't teach it. Um, but I think in the heart of hearts, the organization, Justice Winslow was brought here to be a starter um, with the young guys. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I definitely don't think Kyle is, is not going to be a thought uh, as far as starting. Um, I think Justice just kind of got to throw him in the fire, kind of. Um, you know, he's the secondary ball handler. Um, he's a defender that could possibly not sure if he can guard ones, um, but he's definitely switchable um, and can guard multiple positions. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's going to be centered around that jump shot. Um, like, is he going to be able to keep defenses honest? Um, will they have to respect him out on the perimeter? I think that's going to be huge. And rather, you know, Jai's able to still probe and have those lanes to drive and, and kick. Um, and so, you know, yeah, he was hurt the majority of this year. Um, but if I'm thinking like, you know, Early on, Justice Winslow, Duke Justice Winslow, I'm hoping that, you know, he's able to find that stroke a little more uh, and really fit in seamlessly uh, with the squad, with the gang, because, you know, the chemistry was just so great. The camaraderie was great, too. Um, you just want to see that continue uh, down in Orlando. Yeah. and how, Go ahead, Zach. How fun is Melton, Josh Jackson, and Brandon Clark off the bench? With like, Tyus? Those are all – And Tyus. Yeah, like how, how much fun is that? Yeah, and, and so I mean, I, we've, seen, we've seen that bench unit wreak havoc on the opposing team's bench units, and it's probably a large part of the reason we've heavily exceeded expectations uh, is because our bench play has been so great, um, which makes sense. Uh, and, and, and really, I think it's about who finishes, too, finishes the game. I think it's, you know, Justice might get the start, but, like, if D-Melt's playing really well, uh, we could see him close out, you know, in the, in the, the closing lineups. We've seen Taylor Jenkins be adaptable and, and use different rotations depending on who's playing well. Uh, I mean, I, we've seen nearly every permutation of this roster close the lineup, uh, close the game. So uh, we'll, I think he's a great coach. That will, he won't be married to a particular five-man rotation if things don't go as well or whatever. Uh, so that's good to know, too. Um, Zach, do you have anything else? No, I think that's a great point about Jenkins is he knows who the hot hand is. He Even with Ja, Ja had rough games, and he would hold him out for Tyus if, he, if Tyus was playing well. He's really good at making those in-game adjustments and decisions, and it, it's paid a lot of dividends for the guys. You know, it's not we have one game plan. This is the only thing we're going to do. We're going to beat it in the ground, hook or crook, win or lose. He's, you know, he's found creative ways to win with the roster that he has, and I, I can really appreciate that. For sure, yeah. Well, before we move on to uh, other things around the league, we do want to mention, again, our partner, uh, Dash Radio, we're on the Nothing But Net channel. We already backdoor cut show. 
of course, we talk mostly Grizzlies basketball. We're also around the league. We're based in Memphis, and we're all three Memphians. We're about Memphis, and that's most of what we talk about, but you'll hear about other things about as well. So if you're a lot of Grizzlies talking, you're like, what the hell? I didn't know anyone was fans of the Grizzlies. Well, you're wrong. There's at least three of us, and you're listening to them. So uh, welcome to the show. Um, you know, and this this entire summer, their uh, seeding game experience is going to be awesome for basketball fans because it is literally March Madness for the NBA. I mean, games start at noon or 1.30 Central and or until 9, you know, 9, 10 that night. You got seven games a day sometimes, a day full of basketball, and not only basketball, but – you know, basketball that's meaningful for a lot of these teams and seeding purposes. And also to get back in shape. You know, if you're the Bucks, maybe you don't give a fuck where your seeding is because you're pretty sure you're going to be the one. But you also want to be in shape you know, when it comes to the playoffs and already have some good rhythm going, uh, you know, because these guys have had four months off. And another interesting thing that I thought about, I think this I thought about this. I don't think I read it, but I was like, this is like basically year two of job. I mean, if you think about it, it's basically like they had an offseason and this is just the next season. So you can almost think of it like uh, like year three of Jaron and year two of Ja. Like the, we saw Ja add 12 mm-hmm. pounds of muscle. That's the sort of thing you would do between your rookie and sophomore year. Um, and, and it's like an interesting little um, year two for the our young guys. And that really matters for teams like us because that's guys make huge jumps when they're 20 years old, both physically and mentally for the game, for the feel for the game. So I think like that really matters for young teams. Um, and, and maybe we'll, we'll see what we would have seen if the season had played out in a, a season that had started normally this fall. Maybe we'll see that in this summer league, uh, depending on how much the guys get their bodies in shape. Not summer league, but I keep on summer league, the seeding games. Uh, so that's an interesting wrinkle. Um, okay, so Pelicans. All right, so you, you, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I, sometimes I'm climbing on Zion. And, and it has nothing to do with him. He's super exciting. By all accounts, an incredibly great kid. Um, so – Bully for him. That's amazing. And I look forward to watching him play basketball for a long time. But the, the way that he's been championed by the league and everybody in the world, it seems, as the next coming of basketball Christ without having played any basketball games is, is interesting to me. I get it. I get why we want this to happen. But to me, it's like, how many how many games do you think he – you think if he had just not played a single game this season, this would still be happening? I think it would. Like, I don't think there's any length to which – the media wouldn't go to champion this guy. Like if he had gone full Odin and just not played any of his rookie year or Joel Embiid, like I still think he'd be talked about like he is. And there'd be clips of him in summer league or whatever, um, dunking, you know, in top 10 dunks or whatever. Um, and and that's fine. I get it. He's excited. So uh, I have to like do my Grizzlies fandom and I have to like make fun of him, you know, and, and no one cares. I'm shouting to like, I'm preaching to the, my Twitter following choir who's all Grizz fans anyway. Um, and so I get it. You know, it's not it's it's a, it kind of falls on deaf ears. But but Zion's thing, you know, he's like a big dude. Like he he's a heavier guy. Like that's the way his body's built. He's 19 years old, just turned 20 today. Happy birthday, Zion. And, um, you know, he, I'm worried about his his overall health. I think you would be stupid if you shot everyone in the world with true serum and said, do you really think he's going to have a fully healthy career or do you think he'll be hurt a lot? I think. Most people would say, if I'm being truly honest with myself, like the odds are him being hurt unless something drastic happens to his body. Um, so, I, you know, I, I wondered myself, like this this layoff, you know, what is he going to come back heavier? Is he going to come back in shape? Because to me, a guy like this, there's only two alternatives. It's like the Marcus Gasol thing. It's like he comes back and he's ripped and we're like, what the hell? Or he comes back and he's like a little heavier and we're like, oh, uh, you know, could have seen this too. Uh, so the Pelicans uh, posted the, the workouts from New Orleans. The guys are back in, on uh, campus. 
so to speak, and working out. And uh, the Pelicans posted this picture on their um, Twitter feed. I'll, I'll pull it up for those watching online. Um, let's see if we get this. There we go. That is uh, Zion Williamson mask uh, over his face. So he's observing the uh, the quarantine. Appreciate that. We'll have to pour shame him. Um, he's got his Pelicans hoodie, sleeveless hoodie, which, by the way, uh, love that look. Uh, need to get a sleeveless hoodie. And he's looking quite yoked. I don't know if you can tell. He's got he's got some definition in his arms. I wasn't there before. He's also he's got veins in his arms. That doesn't happen just you know naturally. You got to be pretty yoked and uh, in pretty good vascular shape for that to happen. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I saw this picture is a design that looks like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Um, and, and so that is a scary proposition for fans around the league who thought maybe he wouldn't come back in good shape and might not be able to lift the Pelicans to where they would get, which is the eighth seed. Uh, so what were y'all's thoughts? Or did you even care that Zion looks like this now? And he merely adopted the dark. He was born in it, molded by it. Um, and he's going to take over Orlando and bring the League of Shadows in. Uh, what do you guys think about that? All I have to say to everyone, how dare us doubt Woj and his yeah. news leak of Zion <laughs> being fit. Hashtag, yeah. what did you say, Sam? You said ho- hashtag Woj Weight Watch. Woj Weight Watch. He's, uh, he, he knew. He was ear to the ground. He, ear to the scale, as he, it were. Woj would never lead us astray. So yeah. for all, all of us who doubted, shame on us. Uh, I will say, though, the hater in me is like, you know, it's a it, it, the light can do a lot of things. I think you know when you're sweaty. We all come on. We're all dudes. You know, we've done push-ups before we've gone to the to the beach. Like we've done, you can do some curls. You can do the the power muscles, the uh, the beauty muscles before you go to the beach, and you can look a little better than you normally would. This is of course when he's working out. You know, and and, and you know, like uh, he's always had big arms. That's not been surprising. We'll see. We'll we'll see when he step hits the court. But it does not look like he gained a bunch of weight. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But, Rich, what would you make of Zion's band? Uh, man, you know, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> he, he, looks, he looks mean. No, he looks noticeably slimmer. Yeah. Well, honestly. His face looks, looks slimmer. Uh, his face and that's, looks the, slimmer. that's where you can tell if someone's, like, legitimately lost weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the face, the face definitely looks slimmer. Yeah. Um, and so, you know. The Pelicans knew what they were doing, man. They were giving the people what they wanted. Um, shout yeah. out to their social media team. Uh, and you know, I'm I, I'm looking forward to seeing him play ball. Um, you know, of course, he has this immense height, this immense, you know, markability. Um, but honestly, like if you hear Zion speak or or just you know do an interview, like he's one of the most humble guys, just always deferring to his vets, his teammates. Um, and he just wants to play ball, man. Uh, so you know the internet and the 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 fanboys kind of created this this Zion, you know, um, and so definitely looking forward to seeing him in Orlando. Uh, and you know the Pelicans are our arch um, rival, if you will. But damn, I love watching him play, man. I love watching Lonzo push the pace, get the ball up, bi handling shit in the mid range. Um, you know, don't want him to make the playoffs this year. You know, we'll catch him next year. But you know, definitely looking forward to watching them play. Um, and you know, just just hooping Orlando because uh, you know they're going to be highly publicized. They're going to be all over Sports Center. It's going to be all over Twitter. Whatever the Pelicans are doing, um, and that's all because of Zion. It's a Zion effect. So, you know, looking forward honestly for many years to come of Southwest Division battles between shit the Grizz, the Pelicans, fucking Luca, fuck shit. It's it's a fucking gauntlet, man. Yeah, it is, and you got two very small market and very similar cities in New Orleans and Memphis. Right. Two very young teams with each an exciting young player. Uh, you know, kind of the the guys you think will be you know heading up the league in 
five, six years uh, when, when Giannis is the elder statesman. That's a crazy time to think about, but it will happen. And, uh, and LeBron's retired, so that'll be that'll be cool to watch. And I, I certainly hope that they're healthy. Like, I want to see the whole thing play out with every team healthy. So there's no, like, bullshit about, like, oh, we, you know, if Brandon Ingram gets hurt or something, then it's, I want both teams to, like, battle it out and, like, the best man win, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Or, or else, like, I feel like I'll always have a, an asterisk, you know, when we're talking shit on Twitter to Pelicans fans and vice versa. So, you know, we'll see, man. Like, it's our it's our spot to yeah, lose. Probably, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. We're probably going to have something to say regardless. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is what and, it is. And good. I'm glad they got fans now, man. Like, the Pelicans had a tough, have had a tough beat. And so now, like, it's good that they got signed. Like, it, it's good for the league, I think. Um, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for basketball to be back. I'm moving over to college basketball. We saw uh, Maker Maker, or McCurr McCurr, is it? I think it's Maker, because it's Don Maker's little brother, I believe. Um, committed cousin. to – oh, cousin, sorry. Um, committed to Howard University, a historical black college and university. I believe the first five-star in the history of NCAA Division One athletics to commit to an HBCU. Um, Rich, you were an HBCU grad yourself. What did you think when you saw this? Man, when I saw that – so it's crazy. I'll kind of take it back like a month or so. Um, read this book uh, by Arthur Brandon McKinney called Slate to the Game. Um, and it was a basketball book, highly recommended. And the gist of this book was a five-star recruit turning down power fives to follow in his grandfather's footsteps who played at Howard University. So he commits to Howard and, you know, they're like, oh, how did he go there? They must have paid him, blah, blah, blah. But he literally just wants to follow in his grandfather's footsteps. And they, he takes Howard all the way to the final four or whatever in the book, championship, et cetera. And so, you know, that was a super great read. I think I finished it in like two, two days max. Um, and so, you know, that definitely put a plug in my ear. Uh, when I was reading it, like, damn, like, that shit would really change the game, right? You know, um, as far as power five sports are concerned. Um, when we think of the overwhelming majority of Division One athletes, you know. Um, I love Mac McClung and J.J. Reddick, but, you know, the overwhelming majority is African-Americans. Um, <laughs> shout out, Mac. Shout out, Mac, though, man. He got hops. Um, and so when I, when I saw it, man, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, wow. You know, because I think Memphis was involved with him as well. And, you know, of course, as a mm-hmm. Memphis fan, any recruiting news I get, I'm like, oh, shit, hopefully we get we get this. Part. But I was just I, I couldn't do nothing but be proud, man. I was like, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, I don't know if this is going to be a domino effect um, just as far as like the financial ramifications, um, the financial, you know, shortfalls of HBCUs um, as far as facilities are concerned, et cetera. Um, you know, it's just. It's, it's, it's been a tough road um, just as far as exposure and financial resources, endowment, all that. Um, but if this could be a domino, I mean, there's no telling, you know, where this could go. Because I think, you know, we've got Mikey Williams, who's uh, probably like top three rising sophomore, if you will, um, whose mother played softball at Howard. Um, and, you know, when we think of HBCUs also, there is like an HBCU kind of like hierarchy, if you will, like the ones you're going to always hear about are like Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there's a plethora of historically black colleges all throughout the country. Um, and so, you know, just to see a high level recruit, you know, me getting on ESPN one morning and that's the top story. You know, it was, it was dope to see uh, for sure. So I wish him all the best. I wish him success. Um, and I hope that, you know, the season's able to go forward as normal um, and, you know, how we can do some things. Uh, Zach, do you have any thoughts on that when that came across the wire? Yeah, I mean, what's one of the greatest stories of 
one of the greatest aspects of college basketball is March Madness, which are Cinderella stories. So this kind of just falls right in line with that of a school that, you know, is not typically getting this kind of talent, you know, getting it. And possibly this could be a whole paradigm shift. You know, that, that might be reaching too far to say that it's going to all start kind of domino in that way. But it's definitely the first step in kind of spreading out the talent, you know, maybe possibly away from some of these other blue bloods where five-star guys typically go. And I, I don't know, you know, about the shoe deals and that kind of stuff that these schools have. But, you know, if that kind of money starts getting involved, we know how quickly that can change everything. And, you know, our kids could be watching movies in 20, 30 years, and that's just commonplace. They'd be like, Duke, huh, I didn't know they were good back in the day. I mean, obviously that's a stretch, but, like, you know, who knows what could happen there. And But that was, like, that was a very cool thing. You know, it wasn't just – he didn't just have Howard in there as kind of, like, you know, a tip of the hat in his final four, final five, whatever it was. He was serious the whole way and, you know, ended up committing there. Yeah, they, uh, the, I mean, there was a period of time before Duke, to use your example, wasn't Duke, you know, before Coach Jesse got yeah. there. They were just a, you know, shitty, like, a private school with a bunch of white people in North Carolina, you know, and so it was – it was a uh, – these things, like, are very cyclical. I mean, I remember in the early aughts, the two, from 2000 to 2009, there was – Bradley was a team that was always in the tournament and really good. Do you all remember that? Like, uh, and now yeah. they're just nowhere to be found. So, it's like there's these teams have these runs depending on if they have a coach. Hell, it'd be Memphis. I mean, you know, like the Calipari years, that uh, I imagine a lot of people think we're basically insignificant now, and they'd be right for the past six, seven years, uh, but it, it's interesting and we'll see where it goes. I, I did talk to, uh, I had all the same thoughts. I did talk to a friend of Zach and I's, uh, who's a head coach of a, uh, or not assistant coach of an HBCU um, women's basketball team and asked him about it and uh, a local HBCU in the, in the area. And he was like, he was like, well, look, it's great. Like objectively, you know, it's a really good thing. Uh, and then he said, if I, if I was him, I probably wouldn't have done it. If only for the reason that it's like, the, the money just, there isn't as much money there. You won't have as much exposure, like no matter what, it just won't be as much as if Kentucky, for example, you know, where you have the option to play. And um, the alumni network, you wouldn't get taken care of like you do if you go to Kentucky or hell, even at Memphis, there's like all these, this old money that's existed that would, that would take care of you when you come, like you've seen the Memphis Tiger players come back to the city, the Will Coleman's that just kind of get taken yeah. care of, you know, and, get given jobs and like, you know, because they're heroes of the city. And that was his take. I have no idea. Like, I don't know about the alumni networks that they just use. Sure. Rich can speak more to that. Um, maybe that's completely inaccurate, but that was like one point you brought up that obviously would have never occurred to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, for sure it's, it's all subjective, right? Um, I know like for me, like I'm a Fisk university alumnus uh, and you know, the networks and opportunities I've been able to have specifically here in Memphis via that network, have been immeasurable. Uh, right. You know, my university produced uh, the the top number of black scientists and PhDs uh, for years on years on years. Um, and so, you know, when you know internships came up in undergrad or or opportunities or letters of recommendation, um, it's definitely a support like none other. Um, and in that instance, it just feels different, right? It doesn't feel like a, a handout or a favor. It feels like you know a hand up to help us level the playing field. Yeah. If, um, and so, you know, for me, like I take immense pride in, you know, being an alumni, an alumnus and wanting to reach back and, you know, help others. Um, but yeah, like definitely the financial ramifications are different. Um, you know, it's not 
you know, it's vast uh, for sure. The exposure isn't there. Um, but like, like we always say, like, if you can hoop, if you can play, they'll find you. They'll find you. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all about just, you know. Especially now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's There's already no... a five star. So yeah. all eyes are going to be on him regardless. So they're going to be following Howard on ESPN now. So probably. Yeah. I mean, I think he's. I don't think this means that he's just not on ESPN. I think this means there's a couple of Howard games on ESPN sometimes. Yeah, um, I would guarantee it on those. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Maker Maker. That was a cool decision and cool to see, in the, especially in the midst of everything going on. Uh, and then lastly, um, Moose Assist is a five-star recruit originally from New York, I believe, but currently playing at Lausanne in Memphis. Uh, long had ties to the University of Memphis basketball program. And for a while, was swinging LSU's way. We know Will Wade. Hands out the fucking bag like nobody else gets caught on wiretap and still is there. It, it literally blows my mind. Like, uh, uh, that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day. That's like a serial level, like five episode podcast, like, way conniving ass. But, um, and I'm not saying we're not doing it either, but at least Penny's not on a wiretap. Like, it's, you know, like, it's not caught red handed. He's not yet been caught red handed. Uh, we don't think, but we also haven't seen all the stuff in this weird investigation. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so so LSU for a long time, and then we're starting to see the tide turn. The, the crystal balls are, times are changing, and then Moose Assist seems to be heading to Memphis uh, at this point. Everyone, almost, almost everyone has changed their crystal ball prediction, including Corey Evans, who I think was following the recruitment the closest. Um, Zach, what would be getting in Musa if the Tigers were to get him? Uh, put your John Martin hat on right now and act like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> My sources say, and yeah, I'm going to write like an athletic article every three weeks, and it's just going to be everything I say on the radio. Oh God, those articles are so dude bad. repurposing <laughs> content, man. That's the smartest way to do hey, it. I mean, I, was, not, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. As a content so, guy myself, you know, and the content. Is. So he he played at Lausanne, so not not necessarily the steepest of competition on their schedule compared to some of the other guys, but he is a nearly seven foot. Uh, player plays near the rim he's huge his biggest uh, asset is on defense where he's a monster shot blocker i think he had multiple games this season where he had over 20 blocks uh, averaged around 10 blocks a game so he may be playing against guys like my size who can't shoot anyway i, I can't speak necessarily to that but that's his biggest strength is going to be on the defensive end of the floor uh, he can you know, his, his scoring's good, but a lot of that's nature of his height. But his defense is where people are really praising him and where he can really kind of fill that precious role of, you know, really being able to guard a couple different positions down in the post, come out a little bit if needed. Uh, and even with Precious, he wasn't – like Precious's offense, if you look, was not efficient. It was not that good, similar to the entire Memphis offense. So – it shouldn't be a surprise if our best player or if our offense wasn't good, that our best player's offense wasn't that great. But he was the anchor to that defense. And as a freshman, of course, he was an older freshman, but that's something that Memphis would be looking for Musa to jump in and fill that role. Along with Malco, hopefully he's progressed some. I think he's also going to be really good on defense. He's got a really long wingspan, like 7'2", seven, 7'4", seven, something like that. So – with those two guys down low, I, I think that's a pretty decent uh, front court. Rich, any thoughts? Yeah, um, I think coming in, like before the Musa news, um, definitely I think front court was the most glaring need um, going into next season. So if they were able to, you know, swoop in 
during this this shutdown and you know kind of have moose in the city and you know penny and cole locked in and you know built that fence around memphis uh once again i think you know that's positive um i think he can definitely help um for sure um you know definitely want to see progression from malco um i know we signed the junior college rand um as well who's supposed to be a high energy springy big um but yeah i think musa there's definitely a space for him um and you know any good news for the tigers is always good news um so definitely just hope you know it, it works out and you know looking forward to you know john martin letting us all know that he was right <laughs> yeah i think uh, I, I think Moose is more like james wiseman than precious though right like we we are looking more for the precious replacement but we're basically just being like oh five star big man so he's a precious replacement but skill set wise he's more like wiseman right zach like he's a tall, like uh, mobile, athletic big who's a defensive-minded guy. Like Wiseman was not known for his offense; he was running the floor and you know getting dunks. Yeah, that was what the offense was a uh, what he really he needed to prove to scouts and everything. Seeing, you know, can he step out, hit a three, and he, he hit the elbow jumper pretty good at his time in his like 15 minutes of Memphis fame. Uh, but yeah, defense is where he was just real nasty. Yeah, it's exciting times. Anytime a five-star kid comes in, this is good. If we can keep the lottery guys coming through, you know, if we keep uh, the the team around, the boogies and the uh, Lester sticking around and getting better, you're better, you're older, and then bring in a lottery pick to supplement them. That is a winning formula in college basketball. So uh, shout out to Penny. Hopefully, he can close the deal and get it done. And Musa suits up for the home team and goes to the league the next year and keeps singing the praises like like Preston's is doing. Uh, anything else, boys? Before we adjourn. Uh, definitely want to give a shout out uh, to former Memphis Grizzly assistant uh, coach Niall Ivey, who went back to her alma mater to accept the head coaching position at Notre Dame. So shout out to her for the power moves for sure. Uh, you'll yeah. be missed. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. We got a great coaching staff for the Grizzlies. It seems like. Um, well, cool. Well, again, we are at the back of our cut show. We are on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. You can also find us in the Barnburner Podcast Network uh, on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us that five-star rating, uh, and it would be much appreciated. And we uh, love to bring you the content, so hopefully you enjoy listening to it. Uh, and then also, um, uh, <laughs> I just can't get enough of this picture. Um, uh, I was wondering what would break first, my body or my body? Sorry. Sorry, Zion. Uh, it's been the Backdoor Cut Show, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. See you guys later. <laughs>